focus text today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. They, and they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you've kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And this, after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they remained there a few days. Ladies and gentlemen, boys of girls, people of all ages, the amazing Chad here. Notice my ordinary glass of water placed on this ordinary towel, on this ordinary table. I put on my magic hat, give it a tap for good luck, take my magic cloth, put it in front of this glass of ordinary water. I say the magic word is presto changeo, and boom! <gasps> wow! Water into wine, can you believe it? I am on par for doing miracles like Jesus. <laughs> so, um, did you like my magic trick? It's pretty incredible, right? Yeah, I know, it's ridiculous. But, but here's why I did that. I think that this is what people often understand Jesus' miracles to be. A magic trick of sorts, done much better than my trick though, but, but still seen as a magic trick to wow the crowd and gather a following. But, but if it is, if Jesus' miracle stories are just about the wow factor, as a magician tries to wow the crowd, well, then there's almost nothing in these stories that can move us or challenge us or ask something of us. There's nothing that can help us survive and thrive in life if it's just a miracle story done for people way back when in a time and a place that's, that's really lost to us. So to connect more deeply with God and with each other, we need to look at these stories just a little bit differently. So I don't think that the wow factor is why Jesus did what he did. In John's gospel, in fact, Jesus does not do miracles. The, the gospel writer never uses that word. Miracle is never used. No, Jesus does signs that point directly to the kingdom of God. So there is a deep, rich meaning in these stories that speak to where our lives are at right now. So knowing this, once upon a time, Jesus is invited to a wedding celebration. There is plenty of food, but not enough to drink. The wine is good, but eventually, well, it runs out. Now, here's what you need to know. 
In an honor and shame society where hospitality is a cultural virtue, this is a huge deal. Plus, it, it, what, what wine stands for, it, it's, it's an abundance of, of wine and food. It stands for the sign of the harvest, of God's abundance and blessing. So when this household runs short of wine, they run short of God's blessing. They run short of hospitality, and they run short of respect for their guests and community. I mean, Jesus' mom's there. And like all good mothers, oh, she volunteers her son to fix the problem. Well, Jesus doesn't just fix the problem. He creates an exaggerated abundance, turning what is 180 gallons of water into fine wine. The point is that this is excessive. It's like asking a friend to go get more beer for a guest at your backyard barbecue and having your friend come back with a beer truck. I mean, it's like that. What Jesus does, though, is a sign that points to the kingdom of God, God's way of being in this world. And for John, this is not about the wow factor. It's not about a personal favor to the newly married couple. It's, it's, that, it's not that the night was young and Jesus was not done partying. Rather, this is a sign that shows the extravagant gifts and the abundant nature of God in the middle of scarcity. We know what it is to lose life-giving things. We know what scarcity feels like. We know what our lives look like when our blessings run out, whether it's a, um, it's a divorce or struggles with children or sickness or death of a loved one or fear of the unknown or anything else that causes a lot of fear and anxiety. If you think about it, so much of our fear comes from worrying that we don't have enough, that we won't have enough, Feelings of scarcity are worse when you look at the world. If you are living in Ukraine, Palestine, Israel, or any other place where there is violence, if you are in a refugee camp, if you survive the loss of your community from a natural disaster, it feels like everything good and life-giving is gone. So over the years, other people have helped me realize this and, and understand just how hard it can be to live in this world. I've been able to meet and get to know some of the East African refugees living in central Minnesota. And a number of elders in, in the community told me what it's like to experience the collapse of government, of violence, of, of ethnic hate. I saw the scars from the bullets that this one man received when he was running for his life. I heard the story of a father being separated from his young boy as they fled their home looking for safety. He went on to say that he never found his child and came to this country hoping and praying that his boy was somehow still, still alive. <laughs> and so we read today of Jesus' miracle, of Jesus' sign that points to the abundant nature of God. And at the same time, we know firsthand and through the stories of others, the great tragedies, the great needs, the scarcity that exists in our world and in our own lives. How do we reconcile this obvious tension of God's abundant gifts and the great heartache and needs that we all know are out there and on some extent experience ourselves? So really what I'm getting at is this question about the nature of suffering, why people suffer and, and where God is at in the midst of suffering. So to be perfectly honest with you, I can't adequately answer this question. I can't adequately resolve this tension between God's abundance and people's experience of scarcity. 
Humanity has been wrestling with this issue from the earliest of times. The biblical writers struggle with this question. Ancient Greek philosophers struggled with this question. I don't know why things happen the way that they do. I don't know why there is such suffering. However, what I do know, what the biblical story calls us to do, is to directly confront suffering in a way that God's kingdom breaks into our world. We can't answer unanswerable questions. Jesus did not explain or give a rationalization to the suffering of those he encountered. What he did do, though, was that he met these people where they were and he offered hope. So too it is with us. We are not called to give simple answers to impossible questions, but what we are called to do is to continue the work of our Lord as we go out and offer support to those in need within our families, within our communities, within our places of business, anywhere and everywhere we find ourselves. We take from our emotional, physical, or financial abundance and freely and joyfully give to those who experience all kinds of scarcity. We are the body of Christ, and as such, we are called to move beyond ourselves to offer Christ to the suffering through an attentive ear, a helping hand, a caring embrace, a kind word, really a loving disposition. In the process, water is turned into wine and the abundance of God's love and grace becomes an experienced reality for people in our life, including ourselves. So, may God have mercy on those who do suffer, truly, honestly do suffer. And may God give us the strength, wisdom, selflessness, and perseverance to confront suffering where we find it and, and be the answer to another's prayer for hope. This is the good news that we hear today. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. A couple of reflection questions to help you go deeper into the story and apply it more directly to your personal life. So question number one, as you reflect on your life, do you live with a scarcity mindset? Like, I don't have enough? Or an abundant mindset? Like, I have enough and can use what I have to help others. And question number two, how do you deal with tension or the tension between the hardships of life and the biblical promise of abundance? Mm -hmm.